0: First, we just want to say welcome to all you listening online or watching Facebook Live. We want to say welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, for all you in the theater today, just we're glad you're here. We're in a series. It's called We Are All Blank. Uh, this is part two. So we're going to review a little bit about last week. But before we do, if you're new or maybe you haven't been in a while to church, uh, sometimes we tend to think that everybody in this room has it all together And uh, people that go to church are just really good people and they're, they're perfect um, That could be the furthest from the truth um, We're all in many ways very similar uh, to you and uh, your issues that you have We have similar issues And uh, in fact a lot of us last week we talked about we were all crazy And that was the, the, the point of last week And we all are And uh, we want you to feel welcome Come as you are um, We're not perfect and we don't expect you to be perfect And we're glad that you just came came to church today to to maybe learn something, experience something, and walk away with some tools and answers to be able to help you have a better life and better choices this week. So it's kind of our heart uh, for you guys. And so this is is what we said last week for this series when it comes to We're All Blank. Um, If you can't name the issue, you won't be able to solve the issue. If you can't put a name on whatever you're going through whatever you're facing you'll never be able to overcome that you'll never be able to solve it um, and so the next few weeks we're going to be going trying to trying to point out different issues in every single one of our lives because we all have these issues we all have issues every single one of us um, and the per- person that says I don't have any issues that is your issue um, it's called denial and you're denying it and there really is an issue and if and since you can't pinpoint it you'll never be able to solve that and so we want to help Help us have tools to be able to say, all right, so I have an issue. What do I do with it now? And we're going to go through some different ones, and hopefully these tools will be able to help you overcome. Um, And so here's the thing is you can only begin to work on an issue once you acknowledge that there is an issue. If you don't acknowledge it, you'll never be able to work on it. And so we're all trying to come out and say, hey, we all have issues. Um, In part one, last week we said we're all crazy. This is the first week of last week, and we said we're all crazy. And, in fact, we said the reason why is because at some point we're all insane. And We said that uh, uh, that one of the definitions for insanity that was given by Albert Einstein was if you keep doing um, – the person that keeps doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results, that's what insanity is. Somebody just keeps doing the same thing over and over. In fact, we gave you a wristband. Anybody have still the wristband on? Yeah? Got a couple of there. Awesome. We gave a wristband that said, um, if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got. If you miss the message, go – I don't know if we have wristbands out there. If we do, pick up a wristband, but go listen to the podcast or go watch Facebook Live. I think it will encourage you and help you. One of my favorite messages that we've done in the Grove, and I just want to challenge you, go, go get it because it will help you. But essentially, we challenge you to, to stop doing things that you've been doing and getting the same results. And so I had two bracelets on last week. I, I tore off one of mine, which means I was able to overcome. My desk is clean, which, uh, yeah, can we celebrate that? My desk is clean. Um, for a long time, my office picked it up a little bit, and so it feels good when you have a clean desk and your office is a little more clutter, clutter-free and it's, uh, you don't have to walk around you know, all the little things. It makes your, makes your day a lot better. And so I, that was my challenge was to do something different so you get different results. Uh, do something that's healthy uh, so you can get some healthy results. Uh, we said that there's, if you're going to change things in your lives, there's three components you need to have um, that, that need to be in place to really make a difference and to be in a new trajectory, new, pat- new patterns. Uh, the first one we said you have to have a clear direction. You have to have a goal to find. That's the rider. That's our intellectual part that's saying, all right, we, under- we understand what we need to do. The second part is we have to no- motivate the elephant, which is the bigger part of us. Great, great message last week. Go oh, hear it. Uh, and the third part is make sure you get the right path cleared and the right um, environment in place so you can actually accomplish what you want to accomplish in life. And so that was a big part of what we talked about last week. And, and the reason we're doing this series is because we believe that when we can begin to see ourselves as we truly are, we will begin to see others as they truly are. And that's the heart of this series. We're all blank. We're all crazy. Because if, if you can identify like there's things, and issues in my life, we are now able to be open to other issues in other people's lives. Uh, we have a couple that comes to our church, and, and they're, part, they're on, the, the, on a road to recovery. And so they invited me to go to, to AA with them. And they said, would you come and visit and check it out? And, I, and I'm like, okay, well, why, why didn't we come visit? And they said, well, we, we just experience what we have. But really, we love the Grove because um, the Grove makes us feel like we're at AA. I'm like, that's, that's cool. And so we went, I went to experience what they experienced, and, and it was great. It's like a, AA is kind of like a, a really big small group. Uh, so we have groups happening, and I, I understand that that dynamic is pretty great. You have relationships, you have people that are wanting to discover life and get healthy. And so, in this in this um, in this meeting I went to, is I was observing, just being a part of it, and I was I was I really enjoyed. It, it was just honest dialogue, people being open and honest about what they're dealing with. And one of the things that, that I kept hearing over and over that they would say is. As they're processing their, their struggles and their triggers and their addictions, all things that they face, they would say things like, you know, this week I had a trigger, and this person made me really mad, and uh, I, 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 was, I was evaluating why I felt this way. And at one point they said, I, I realized that this person must be really sick. Uh, That's one of the things they say about themselves is I just came to a place that I realized I was sick. I was unhealthy. And they kept saying that. And then what, he, what the guy said was, I realized this person must be really sick, maybe even more sick than I am because of the way he was acting and all that. And it, it kind of made me have compassion for him because I understood he's sick just like I am. And I was listening to that as they talked about it. I was like, that is such a great way to think about how we are as humans, how we are as people, is we're all in need of help. We're all in need of, of God to, in, to show up. So last week it was crazy. This week we are all broken people. We are all broken We're all in need of healing. We're all in need of help. And a lot of times that help can only come from God. And we're going to talk about that, what that looks like. So the definition for broken, one of the definitions I found was this. Having been fractured or damaged and no longer in one piece or working properly. So all of us at some point, we have been broken in our lives. We've been fractured. We, and there's some area of our life that's not working properly. And this is what we want to talk about. And maybe other words that we can use for broken is hurt. We're all hurt. You know, because of brokenness, we've all been hurt by somebody or, or someone that, that is maybe an authority figure, or a friend, a family member, or whatever. Like we've been hurt by somebody in our lives and it's caused a wound. We could say we've all been wounded. Um, there's there's fragments of our lives. Like we're not one piece because of these things that have taken place. Um, or like, like I said, A, we're, we're all sick. Like there's a part of us that we're all unhealthy in different areas of our life. And every one of us at some point has, 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 has happened. And the reason I know that is because uh, the Bible says that sin brings... Exactly what we talk about, brokenness and death. It always brings it. And the Bible says that every single one of us has, has, has gone against God's best for our life, which is sin. It's missing God's best, his target. And we've all sinned, which means because of sin, there's death, there's decay, there's brokenness, there's hurt, there's pain. And sin invites that in, into our world. Uh, before, before Adam and Eve sinned, there, there was none of that. And as soon as they made that choice, like we all have, same same thing, we have to identify and understand that we are just as susceptible as they were. And we've made choices just like them, and because of that, we have brokenness in our world. It's it's not very hard to look around on social media, and on the news, and see the brokenness even in our nation. Um, as as the things have transpired this last week with with um, with riots and all those things, like we're broken as a nation. Like we need God's help. Um, we're, we're we're segmented. We're fragmented. We we're in need of God to intervene in our lives. You can look look at social media, and you see a political statement somebody makes, and you start reading the comments. It's like Man, horrible things are said about people because they don't agree with that person's opinion or view, and because they, they think one candidate's better than the other. And you have to you don't have to read very far to realize like, wow, this is not healthy. Like we are one nation. It's like we're we're one people, and the words that come out have so much hatred and anger and all the things that attach to that. It just it's not good. Uh, we are in need of God to help us in a big way. And so today, all of us come today. We are in need of God in some way in our lives because we're all broken. Um, And here's the thing. If we can identify it, we can begin to heal. Um, But a lot of us are afraid actually to identify it and to tell people, and we want to hide it. But here's the truth about hiding our pain. Hiding your pain doesn't heal it faster. Just because nobody knows about it doesn't mean it's going to go away. It's going to heal quicker. In fact, hiding your pain actually slows down the healing process. It doesn't speed it up. It actually slows it down. You know, my kids, when they get splinters in their feet or their their hands – and uh, they, they start complaining about, you know, a little, whatever, the little piece of wood that's in their in their hand or their foot. And they're saying it hurts, you know, and I walk and I said, well, let me take it out. You know, I have to get the, the, the tweezers or sometimes a little needle to, to kind of dig it out. And it can be a little painful, right, and just to try to get that little thing out. And so so the pain um, begins to happen. And they say, no, no, back off. Like, don't touch me. I don't want, you're hurting me. I don't want the pain. I don't want the pain. So you walk away and then it's like, okay, but it really hurts. Like, I need you to help me with my, with my, my splinter. And eventually, you talk them into it, and, and you have to convince them like a little bit of pain now is going to bring a lot of relief later. Um, and, and if they don't, the, the opposite could be true. If they don't take care of that, it can actually get an infection, and it can fester. It can make it worse, right? And when we hide pain and we don't want others to know, it actually can make the whole process worse. And today, we want, we want to be able to identify that. We have pain. We have hurt in our lives. Now, here's, here's the thing you have to understand. In this room, if we looked at a spectrum of people that have been through really painful stuff and, you know, some stuff that's not so painful but it still hurts, uh, we would be all across this board. And, and you'd be surprised at some of the people that have been – what, what the, some people in this room have been through, some of the hurt, some of the things that they're in. And in fact, there's some people that are in that situation right now. And I would say this to you. If you are in a situation that's unhealthy, that's bringing pain, uh, God doesn't expect you to stay in that situation. He wants, he wants to fix it. He wants you to get out of that. He wants you to get better. Uh, so you have, to, you have to find help in that situation. Uh, but it's such a broad topic, so don't, I'm not going to be specifically going into any one of these, but just a general saying, our pain, whatever that is to you, that's what we're going to kind of talk about. What does that pain look like to heal and, 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 and work through and move forward? Um, because you can only grow, and here's, here's why, because you can only grow to the level of your pain tolerance. You can grow to the level of your pain tolerance, or you can grow to the level of your potential. That, that's the choice you have. Like I can grow to the point of where I say this is too painful, I don't want to change, I don't want to do the hard things, and that's as, that's as far as I go. Or you can grow to the potential that's in you, which is a lot higher than your pain tolerance. The idea is we have to learn to push that pain tolerance away and say it is actually, um, it's actually not that bad. In fact, most people don't change until the, the pain of change or the pain of uh, the fear of what's, what that change is going to look like is less than the actual pain they're facing. And sometimes it takes that, but it doesn't have to take that. You can actually change before you really have to. Like you can make the decision to say, it doesn't have to get so bad that I'm forced to change. I can actually change now when it's at a little bit of pain or I can, where, it's, where it's manageable um, and, and be able to move forward. So here's the thing with the pain that we've all suffered and we've gone through stuff. We've, there's hurts in our lives. And if we all got up here and told our story, someone us would be like, oh, man, that is horrible. Uh, that should have never happened to you. Uh, and some of us will stand up, could even stand up and say, you know, because of what I've gone through, I even question if there is even a God. And when I when I see my family members, people have gone through things. I even question that. Well, let me just talk a little about the results of pain and suffering. All right, the Bible says that the result the result is because of sin. Like we messed up. God gave us an option. He gave us free will, and the choices we make and the choices other make others make has resulted in what we get and what we have. And so sometimes we're on the receiving end of bad things because of somebody's foolish choice and somebody's bad decision, and we reap the consequences even though we didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything for it. And sometimes we're the actual ones that make that, and then others reap the consequences of it. Uh, the reverse of that is also true, though. We're also on the receiving end of good that somebody decided to do and help us on the journey. And we can't forget that. Because I think sometimes we focus on the negative, and we think, well, since there's bad happening, there must not be any God. Well, there's also good that's also at the same time that's also happening. How do you explain that? And That's one of the conundrums people get in when they begin to try to you know, say, if, if, because of bad stuff, then there's no God. But know that there, there's two parts to that. And the other part of the Bible talks about that we have an enemy, an enemy that wants to destroy and wants to hurt. And so no matter where the pain came from, if it's from others, if it's from the enemy, um, if it's if from sin in our lives that we've chose to do, God can still redeem that and turn it around for good. In fact, Jesus, when, he, when he's telling uh, the people why he came to earth, he says, I came so people can have a good life. He says it like this in John 10.10. 10, he says, um, the thief, he came, his job is to still kill and j- destroy. That's his objective. The enemy, we have an enemy that wants to still kill and destroy in our lives. And Jesus says, "But I've come to give life, and life to the full, or the best life you could possibly have." He gave to give life. The enemy wants to still kill and destroy, but God wants to give life. So in every hurt, in every problem you face, in every challenge you go through, there there's an objective. The enemy wants. He wants to steal something from you. In innocence, he wants to steal time. He wants to steal relationships. He wants to steal something. Or if he can, he wants to kill that relationship or kill you. He wants to try to take these, take these in your life away from you or destroy. He, he is the first terrorist, and he's the worst terrorist. He's, it's ongoing, and this is the enemy's strategy in our lives, that he wants to bring destruction in everything we face. But at the same time, in every single thing we face, God wants to do good. He wants to, he wants to take those things and redeem them and turn them around for something good in our lives. Jesus' plan is to use every hurt and every problem in our life to give more life to help us to know that Uh, we say this when it when it comes to to hurts and and to people hurting people they hurt people when when we are when we begin to recognize that we're all hurting we're all broken we begin to understand that the person that's trying to hurt me the reason he's trying to hurt or she's trying to hurt is because they have hurt in their lives themselves and and when it's really bad hurt you have to begin to ask yourself a question they must be really hurting really bad because that's coming out pretty pretty evil pretty mean like there must be a lot of pain in their lives And that pain is causing them to then cause pain in others' lives. People Hurting people hurt people. Uh, There's tons of stories in the Bible. Uh, I would encourage you to, if you want to read one where God redeems the story in the Old Testament, there's a story of a man named Joseph. Um, His family betrays him and sells him for slavery. Um, Incredible. It's a sad story, like in in the sense that this this young boy um, was betrayed and sold. And the process, how God used it, I would encourage you to go read it. But throughout the whole scriptures, um, we, we see over and over, um, how God will take what the enemy and what others intended for bad and turn it around and use it for something good. And in our stories, God wants to do the same thing with us. Um, hurting people, they hurt people. Uh, we all are broken. And here's the thing when it comes to, to brokenness and hurt is we tend to look in the wrong places for healing. We, we, a lot of people tend to look in the wrong place. They look um, to try to relieve their pain by numbing it with drugs. Uh, they try to, to forget it by, with drinking alcohol. Um, some people try to try to ignore it by getting more power uh, so they can control, they can feel I- empowered. Um, some try to get it through controlling others or controlling things that they can't control. Um, they, they, and they, they look in the wrong places for healing. In fact, next week we're going to talk about control, and that's going to be a good message. encourage you to come. Um, and we look in the wrong places and we get stuck. And, and what happens when we look in the wrong places for healing, this is what happens. The problem is no longer the problem. But the solution we but the, the but how we responded to the problem is now the problem. Does that make sense? So like we have an issue, and instead of dealing with the issue, we try to numb it and solve it with this other addiction or this other problem. And now the issue kind of goes to the side and it's like this is now the issue and the problem, but it's really not the issue and the problem. That still is the issue and the problem. This is just the results and, and and what we see is the problem. And we try to deal with this and we try to fight this, but the real issue is we never dealt with this thing that's really causing this other part and the problem no longer is the problem but now how we deal with things is the problem the addictions the struggles the insecurities whatever it is the controlling the manipulation whatever it is that we find ourselves in trying to heal from the pain becomes actually the very problem that, that pushes people away that causes more more damage and more hurt and while that happens the enemy celebrates because we forget the real issue and the real problem god is saying can we identify the real thing so we can find healing there so that all this other stuff will begin to be healed and begin to be, be pushed as, and made not as big as it is. And we can learn to, to move forward. Um, when it comes to pain, um, it, it's easy to blame others. And that brings – that can even be a short-term relief. Like it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm hurt. I can keep doing what I'm doing because it was somebody else's fault. And I'm not going to say it's not somebody else's fault. It's quite possibly quite possible true that you you went through something very difficult, and it was somebody else's fault. And you're hurt, and you have every right to be hurt. But there's this word that we have in the English dictionary that's great. It's called responsibility. It's just the idea that we all, have the, we all can choose. We're able to choose the response that we have in life. So, yeah, it's not fair what happened to you. But you're able to choose the response how you're now going to deal with whatever's happened to you. You can get stuck and you can look through the rearview mirror the rest of your life and blame everybody else. And it is their fault. Or you can take responsibility and say, okay, but now how am I going to respond to, to today? how am I going to move forward from this moment forward? Because as long as you stay there, as long as you stay the victim, you will never be an overcomer. You'll never become the victor. Because the victim keeps you weak. It keeps you stuck on, on, on the reason it happened where God is saying, can, can we move past? It? I know it's painful. I know it's hurt, hurt. it hurts a lot. But can we take responsibility now to say, what's the next step I can take now? What can I do today that's going to help this journey. In fact, throughout scriptures, one of the things God asks of us is, today, what are you going to do today? Like, don't get focused so much on the future, like one day I want to accomplish that. That's important. But what are you going to do today? Don't get stuck in the past, but what are you going to do today? And our big challenge today is we're all broken. We're all hurting. What are you going to do about that today? What What is your response to this? Because if you keep responding with just saying, it's everybody else's fault, and in some ways it is, But what are you going to do now with it today? How are you going to move forward? See, because our our history books are filled with people who overcame incredible odds and things. the the cards were stacked against them. You can read it over and over. And these are the people we celebrate. These are the people we write about. Because their story gives us something to believe in, something to move forward with. All the people that gave up, all the people that got stuck, we don't write about those people. They don't get in the history books. They're not celebrated. Because they got stuck. They never never overcame. In fact, one of my current day heroes, his name is Nick Vujicic. Uh, This guy was born without legs and without arms. And, and for every reason, this guy should be able to say life is not fair, life is not good, there's not even a God. Like he has, he has the right to do this. Like he was born with, with the, without the ability to do what I do so naturally, so easily. And you know what his response is? God is still good and I'm going to use my life for good. And he travels around the world talking to young people, encouraging them about self-esteem, encouraging them, helping them with no arms and no legs, taught him himself how to swim. Uh, you can watch videos. It's amazing. This guy's awesome. He's incredible. He overcame the, the cards that were stacked against him. He decided, I'm just going to play the cards that, God, that, that I have, that have been dealt to me. I'm going to move forward with it. And his response was, I want to help others for good. So don't get stuck. Um, the tendency we can get stuck or we can get overwhelmed, thinking it's really hard to get over this stuff, but it doesn't always happen just in one. It, it's a process. You take one step at a time. You work on one thing at a time. So God help me in this thing. Here's here's. Let's go to the Bible. I think the Bible has something to say to us. Paul writes to the church in Romans, um, in, in in Rome, and in the book of Romans five, three through five. Paul is talking to them and saying, um, this is how we, this is how we should respond to difficulties. And Paul has a lot of authority in this because he's gone through a lot of suffering. He's, he's, saved, he's faced a lot of difficulties in his life to bring the gospel to a lot of people. And in this, he says in Romans 5, 3 through 5, he says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. That's kind of weird, right? Like we're gonna rejoice when we run into problems and trials. That doesn't sound right. For we know that they help us develop endurance. I'm like, oh wait. So when we face things, there's something that's gonna be produced in us. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. So Paul is saying um, our ability to persevere, our ability to overcome, is what give hope, gives hope to others. Like it produces hope in our life, but it produces hope around in, in those around our lives, all around us that see us. It produces hope in our kids that they can have a better, a better life than we did. It produces hope in our neighbors, that whatever they're facing, that they can overcome, in our family members, in our coworkers. And it even produces hope in our future, that if we can push through, if we can work together to get through this stuff, then it's going to produce hope. So the Bible, Let me before we go too far, because this is what it's trying to produce. In every difficulty, God is trying to produce hope in our lives. He didn't intend for all those things to happen, but he'll take them and he'll produce something good in them. The the biblical definition of hope is different than what we as our culture call hope, all right? So we would say hope is wishful thinking, but the biblical definition is this. It's the expectation of good. When we hope for something, we're expecting something good in that. It's not like, well, I hope this thing works out. I hope to have a better job. We're expecting good in every situation. That's the kind of hope the Bible is talking about. So when you face a difficulty and it's going through and you think, I don't know how God could turn this around. This is a horrible experience. God says, I'm going to take that and I'm going to produce produce something good in it. I'm going to to grow your character. And as you respond correctly, I'm going to use your story to help somebody with that exact same story. And we're going to take away the, 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 the ability for the enemy to cause even more damage in those things. I'm going to allow you to identify and see things in your life so that when you identify them in others, you can say, hey, I used to be there. You don't have to stay there. You can get out of that. And our story now begins to produce hope in others. That's why Paul is saying, man, we rejoice when we go through difficult times because God's going to take it and do something great in the middle of what was a dark thing and produce something good. So when we hope, what we're saying is we're not going to allow our hardship or our challenges to downsize or downgrade the goodness of God. The, the bio, philosophers and theologians, they use this word, is called theodicy. It's this idea of how could God's goodness uh, exist at the same time as pain and suffering and injustice and in, inequality? Like how can they both coexist? That's just, that just doesn't really make sense. But they, they came to this word called theodicy. It's like God's goodness still exists despite there's pain and suffering and all that. And the fact that we see him turn around all that is a great indication that God is still good because he'll, he'll redeem and take what the enemy meant for bad and turn it into something good. What others meant for harm, he'll take and he'll turn into something good in our lives. And he invites us into this. And Paul says this kind of hope does not disappoint. It always produces because it's an expectation of good. That no matter what we face, it's going to be good. Our pain can be used for good in this world when we endure. When we make it through difficulties, we give hope to others to be able to do the same thing. Um, somebody asked me if I really believed all this stuff, like, you know, the Bible and, 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 and Christianity and God. And I said, yeah, it's not in, it is intellectual in the sense that I've studied I learned. But it's, it's not so much that, that I've read and I'm, like, convinced because of that. It's because I'm living it. Like, I see the goodness of God in my life and in my family's life. Like, the moment my family said yes to Jesus and to God, night and day difference. Like you can see it's there. Like it's not just because somebody said it works. Like I'm living it. I experience it on a daily basis. Is it easy? No. God never said it's going to be easy. Life is still hard, but he's still always good. He's always good no matter what we face. I read a book. I was reading some books and some some different things to kind of prepare for this. And when it comes to to pain and suffering and hurt, um, just to kind of get some perspectives of people that have gone through hard things and what they felt and what they're going through. And one of the books I read from a a pastor up in Montana. Um, He used to be a a youth pastor in Albuquerque. Um, he wrote this book. His name is Levi Lusco. He wrote this book through the eyes of a lion, and it's his story of when uh, they lost their their, their um, one of their little girls. They have four, had four, and a few days before Christmas, um, um, one of their daughters had an asthma attack, and they lost her. Like they couldn't revive her, they couldn't bring her back, and, and she died uh, just a few days before Christmas. And It was painful. 2012 is when it took place, and so last year or so, he wrote this book to kind of just kind of share his journey and his story uh, through pain. And how in the middle of pain, they found great power. Um, and he said in, the, in, his, in his journey, it was ups and downs. Um, he compared it like a, a wave that crashes, you know, on the sea. Was, was oh, there was moments of, of, of great sadness that would come over them. But in the middle of all this, they, they have this, this hope. That they know that she's in a better place. And they know that God has a good plan. He can work good even in this situation. But he said this statement. He said, but, but hurting with hope, it still hurts. And this is what I want us to understand. Being a Christian, being a Christ follower doesn't mean we have it all together and we have to pretend all the time. Because sometimes when you have hope and you have hurt, it still hurts. It doesn't take the hurt away. It doesn't take, take the memories away. It doesn't doesn't erase all that. But in the middle of it, you still have an expectation of good in the middle of it. I love one of the things he says in his book. He says, we came to this place, we realized if, that we weren't. she wasn't getting further away from us as time went on. Like we're slowly forgetting, forgetting her. We realized that we're actually getting closer to her as time goes on because they're getting close to that time that we will now pass and be with her and the perspective changed and a big part of his whole book was saying it's how you frame things it's how you see things that make the difference because we all see the same we all go through similar things but it's how we respond to what we've gone through what's your response going to be keep going uh Winston Churchill said it great he said if you're going through hell if you're going hard time keep going don't stop like if you're in a difficult time, you find yourself in a difficult place, don't camp out and stop there and begin to, to blame others and blame God and all that. Just Just seek him and, and push through. Because here's the truth that we're talking about today is we're all broken, but he is, he's not. He's whole. He's peace. He's healing. And he came and died on that cross so that we can have what he has. In fact, whatever issue it is that you have, I can guarantee God has the opposite thing for you if you will just begin to seek him for those things. So today, if you're hurt, he has healing for that hurt. If you're broken, he has healing for that brokenness. He wants to bind up the brokenhearted. The psalm says. He wants to help us on our journey. He's peace. He's wholeness. He's health. He's stability. He wants us to be to be healthy and whole. So our challenge today is this: um, if you're broken, if you're hurt, tell somebody. You need to tell somebody about your pain because that'll be part of the healing process. Because you can identify it once you identify it you'll begin to be able to move forward. Whatever it is that you you faced, um, choose to heal, and then let it produce hope in your life and in others' lives. Imagine if we all begin to live like that. When we have issues, we would be, be honest and open and say, you know what, man, I, I have this thing going on. I really need I, need, I need help. I need people to be aware of it so they can hold me accountable. They can help me on this journey. It would free us. Uh, last week, by telling you my issue of my office, it gave me, great courage to say, I need to clean my office because I'm going to come back up and say, guys, I'm still crazy. Like, I didn't clean my office again. Including others on the journey helps us to make better choices. And it takes away the power from the enemy to be able to lie to us in those. So, here's my thing. Here, here's, here's the thing with, with brokenness and hurt. If, if you're going through something difficult, our church is here for you. In fact, the reason we started The Grove is for this very thing. We came to bring healing to families and to individuals. It's not that we give it, but we came to show God. We want to be a life giving church. We want to be a, a church where, where they're broken, find healing, where we can help rebuild a broken society. That's why we came. One day I'll tell you the message of how how what, what God spoke to us as a church, what we're supposed to accomplish, and we are accomplishing it. But this is a what big part of it is we're healed to bind up, to, to to work in people's lives that are broken. And so we welcome the brokenness. And in fact we sit like this, we run towards the messes ministry and life is messy, and we, we have chosen to run to the messes not away from them. So when you have something in your life that's messy, we invite you to come and be a part of that. Be a part of our church. Be, be Open up. Let's, let us help you to find healing and find wholeness. You know, I read the scripture in Romans and he says, therefore let's rejoice. I want to go back a little bit, and I'm going to show you why Paul can say we can rejoice. In Romans 5, it starts in 1, it says, therefore since we've been made right with God in sight by faith, we have peace with God because of Jesus Christ our Lord and what He's done on the, done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Like, you don't deserve it, I don't deserve it, but God gives us the ability to stand in this place of undeserved privilege because of faith, because of we, we step out. Where we stand now, we, we, we are, have confidently and joyfully looking forward to sharing in God's glory. And then He goes on and says, We can rejoice. Too, when we run into problems and trials because of that hope that God produces in us. For we know that they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. So real quick here, he says we can rejoice. Here's Paul's secret weapon, just so you know. He always had the perspective of saying, God, I want to put you first. Worship, praise and worship, what we do in the beginning of service, it's us saying, God, we want to put you first. It's recognizing God for who he is. And realizing that we're that he's God and we're not. It's important. This is Paul's secret. When he was in prison, when he was going through hard times, he always turned his attention to praise and worship because he's saying, God, you are God and I'm not. And I have a hope, a confident expectation of you're going to do good even in the middle of this bad time. This is why we sing songs at the beginning of services. Because it's turning our perspective. It's saying, let's frame life in a different way. Let's say, God, you are you're in control and I'm not. You are good. I trust you in the middle of this. That's why he says we can rejoice. It's his secret weapon. And I, I guarantee you, when you're going through something difficult, if you'll begin to turn your attention to God and say, God, I don't understand why this is happening, but I know you're good. And I know you want to do something good in this. So I I focus my attention back to you. I invite you to lead. I invite you to, to, to guide me and, and to help me in this. That's what God wants. And all of a sudden, he shows up in a great way and begins to work in our lives and help us on this journey. It's Paul's secret weapons. He he goes on to say this in in, in verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right with God in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by by the death of his son, while we were still his enemy, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. That is a great statement. Don't miss that. Because of Christ's sacrifice, he has now made us friends of God as opposed to enemies of God, as opposed to outsiders, as opposed to those that are not part of the family. We are now family. We're now friends of God. If you keep reading this, 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 this whole chapter, and I would encourage you, go read Romans 5. He goes on to say, because of one man, Adam, sin entered the world. But because of another man, Christ, life entered the world. And he says, we have a choice. You want to stay in the pattern of Adam? You want to continue to live in sin? Or do you want to live in life? And he gives us this, this, this opportunity to choose for ourselves life or death. So today, this I'm going to close. Some of you today, uh, you have hurt, You have pain. But beyond that, you've actually chose, chosen to live a life apart from God. And today God says he wants to fix the most important issue, and that is your relationship with God. He's inviting you, saying, would you be a friend of me? Would you be my friend? Or you can choose to do life on your own. See, God never created hell for people to go to, out that's created for the enemy. And hell's not a place God sends people to be punished. It's a place where we choose to go because we don't choose God. The choice is ours. People that choose to do it on their own and try to stand before God on their own without Christ's help, they choose hell. The choice is ours. The choice is yours. He's offering life or he's offering death. So Today, we're going to give an opportunity. If you're here, would you would you be fair? Everybody close your eyes and bow your head as we close service. If you're here today, and you're not a friend of God. You know it. You're far from God. You've, you've made choices that have brought, brought death and pain into your life. And today you're ready to say, all right, I want to give my whole life to God. And I want him to help me in the middle of this. First issue we want to deal with, your right standing with God. It says because Christ died on that cross, we can now have a right standing. Like we can stand in God's presence because of that sacrifice when we ask for forgiveness. It's a step of faith that we take. So, today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask of you that want to pray that prayer. I mean, it's a simple prayer. I'm not going to call you up to the front, just in your chair. I'll lead you there. It's a declaration saying, God, I believe that you are God and I'm not. God, I've sinned and I ask for forgiveness. And the Bible says that when we confess that God comes and he forgives us of those sins. So, today, if you're here and you'd like me to, to lead you in that prayer to say, I want to be your friend, God. I want, I want life today. I want a new start. If you're here today and you, you want to pray that, would you raise your hand? Awesome. I see your hand. Anybody else? If you raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just a simple prayer relationship saying, God, I want your help. I want your relationship. I want to be your friend. So you raise your hand. Pray with me. The rest of us, if, you, if you're a Christ follower, would you join in praying? And we can encourage uh, these people to raise their hand today. Say this, say, Father, today I acknowledge that I need your help. I am lost without you. I want to be your friend. Forgive me of my choices that have broken my relationship with you. Forgive me of my sin. Today, I believe that you died on that cross for me so I could be your friend. I believe you're alive today. You want to help me. Would you help me? Lead me and guide me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we celebrate those? Will you pray that prayer? so awesome. If you prayed that prayer, you can take a breath and just like, man, I'm a friend of God. I'm a part of the family. If you pray that prayer, a few things we have for you, would you take a moment to fill out a connection card and let us know? I pray that prayer. I'll send you a letter just saying, here's some next steps you can take. Uh, water baptism is one of the next steps. If, if you're here today you're you're a Christ follower, you've never been water baptized, that's a public declaration. Today our prayer is a, is a personal declaration to God. Water baptism tells everybody else what you're doing. Uh, we have a Bible. If you need a Bible out on the foyer uh, in, in the lobby, you can get a Bible on the way out. They're free. Uh, we also have a book. It's called Ten Steps Towards Christ. If you want to know some of these next steps you should be taking, um, here's a book that will kind of encourage you and help you on the journey. Get plugged in, join a small group, and uh, make sure you tell somebody today that you made that decision, and we want to be a part of just the journey with you, and let us know if we want to help you on that. Uh.